Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, where we are talking with leaders on leadership. Today, we have a very special guest, author, speaker, businessman, leader extraordinaire, even had a documentary made on his life. Dr. Nito Cobain is the president of High Point University. He has been a longtime friend of my father and a dear friend to us here at Tremendous Leadership. So you're not going to want to miss this one. Stay tuned. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones, and welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast. This series is called Leaders on Leadership, and today I am beyond excited to welcome our guest, none other than the Dr. Nito Cabane. And Dr. Cabane has led the extraordinary transformation at High Point University, and that is a liberal arts school, a private liberal arts higher education institution located in High Point, North Carolina, where he has served as president since 2005. So he has definitely outlasted most tenure of presidents. After coming to America as a teenager, he built a successful career in business, consulting, and professional speaking, and he's delivered more than 6,000 presentations across the world and serves on numerous boards today. You just need to check out his bio and see where he's all plugged in. And since under his leadership, HPU has experienced tremendous growth, including more than tripling their enrollment, expanding their campus from 90 to 500 acres, establishing six new academic schools, and much, much more. He even has a biography done on him on the Biography Channel. You have to check it out. And is with great pleasure, I welcome incredible speaker, businessman, author extraordinaire, academian, leader of leaders, and dear friend, Dr. Nito Cabane. Welcome, Nito. Thank you so much, Tracy. It's my pleasure being with you. It is a tremendous day, and you're a tremendous person, and your daddy would be so proud of all that you have done and all the influence and impact that you're bringing in our world, working with leaders and bringing education and inspiration in ways that very few can do as well as you can. So congratulations to you. It's my privilege to be with you, and thank you for making this program available. You are most welcome. And for those of you listening, Dr. Cabane and my father go way back. And we even have uh, several of Nito's books. And they were both speakers, both incredible leaders, both motivators. And he was a dear friend of my father's. And he has been a huge supporter of me since I came back to Take the Realm. Uh, I email him. He answers me right back. And I just, I didn't sleep much last night knowing I was going to have the honor of talking to you. So, uh, Nito... You're welcome. Today, I really wanted to talk to you as a leader in so many different ways. And my father wrote a book called The Price of Leadership. And in it, he outlines the price you really have to pay as a leader. And for emerging leaders out there who sometimes think, oh my gosh, if I'm getting pushback or everybody's not on board, or I feel like I'm alone at the top, you know, we've all heard that. I want to unpack the price of leadership, the four points with you. If you could share some of your insights about some of the things that you have learned as a leader and are still learning in your leadership role. So one of the first price of leadership that my father outlines is loneliness. Loneliness. 
Okay. And we've all heard that it's lonely at the top. And my father says, you know, everybody's lonely, old people, young people, men, women, black, white, everybody's lonely, but this is the leadership. Loneliness is slightly different. And he talks about that. Sometimes leadership loneliness is when you have to pave the way and go out on your own. And he always said he never saw a committee in a park, uh, a monument in a park dedicated to a committee. So can you, Nito, tell me about times in your leadership career where you experienced loneliness? Yes. I mean, I think there's a mega difference between being alone and being uh, and experiencing loneliness. Okay. Uh, all of us like to have time alone. I certainly value my time alone. Mm-hmm. I get up in the morning between 3 and 4 o'clock um, every morning and I have a couple of hours alone. Wow. Um, God and me starting the day together. And I read, I study, I prepare my ideas, I make notes and so on. And then when I come to uh, work officially in the office, I'm really ready. I'm, I'm, I'm way ahead of the pack and so on. Hmm. That time alone is very valuable. I like to go walk on the beach alone. Okay. I like to do it at times when there's nobody on the beach and the skies are above me and the ocean is next to me and the sound of the birds. And it just reminds me of this creation that, that God has allowed us to enjoy and be in mm. and the grace that he has in our lives as we pursue our own, our own um, goals and aspirations. Loneliness is a completely different thing. You can be in a crowd of 10,000 and feel loneliness. Okay. Uh, you can be in a wonderful relationship it seems that way to the outside world, but feel lonely. Mm-hmm. So loneliness is more about not having someone to share your love with, to share your ideas with, to share your fears with, to share your emotions with. In a leadership context, which is what we're talking about here, loneliness is when you do not have trusted team around you. Okay. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a leader makes is that he or she does not evolve and develop and grow a trusted team around them. And so what you want to do is you want to make sure that there are people that you can talk with and talk to without reservation. Mm. You're not worried about them you know, violating the confidentiality. You're not worried about them just criticizing you or judging you, but you just pour your heart out. This is so important for all of us. I mean, this is what people do with a therapist, right? They go to mm-hmm. a counselor and they just... They express their feelings. And so leaders sometimes, you know, it always sits on the shoulder, right? And the shoulder, right. all the responsibility. There's a reason why a CEO of a large corporation, you know, makes a lot of salary. It's not the hours he or she puts in. It's the enormity of responsibility. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, the buck does stops at that leader's desk. And so that creates a sense of loneliness if you don't have people that you can trust, an inner circle that you can chat with. And chat with not to whine, whining is the opposite of thanksgiving, but right. rather have people you trust in the inner circle so you can share ideas with, test ideas with, examine your thoughts, listen to their, their feedback. And often I find out of the most unlikely sources come the greatest inspiration. I mean, that's what Tremendous Jones was, Charlie Tremendous Jones was so famous for, mm-hmm. is that he would say something you haven't thought about. And he would mm. say it in a way that, that it seemed like it came from an unlikely place. Man, did it make an impression on you. And it stayed with you and you thought about it and you grew because of it. So I think it's the, it's the responsibility of a leader to exercise the skill of removing loneliness from his or her life. 
And you do that in a number of ways. You do it by reading, read, 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 read. Your dad used to say, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the books you read and the people, you know, and it's true. You got to read, 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 because when you read, you're inspired. Mm -hmm. I still read motivational books. Mm -hmm. You know, people say, well, you know, you're sort of at the tail end of your <laughs> career. What are you doing that for? I go, I do that all the time. I read a good book a week and on, on that alone. And then I read other stuff that, you know, deals with my own work. Mm -hmm. And so number one is make sure stuff is coming in your brain, in your heart, in your soul that tells you that God loves you. You're not allowed to feel lonely. If you're lonely, talk to God. That your family loves you. That there are people out there who want to march onwards and forward with you, holding your hand as mm -hmm. you uh, tackle the challenges of this world. Um, now, the other reason that you know people in leadership feel that sense of loneliness is, is they have to take risks, right? Leaders take risks. Right. And you feel that, what if I make a mistake? I mean, right. in, in certain environments in America, you hear people saying, we want this person to resign. We want this person. What they're really saying is, I disagree with what this person is saying. Hmm. But if you look at it from that leader's perspective, that leader has had to take a risk in making that decision. Mm. And you, sometimes you're not sure because, Tracy, you never have 100% information you need right. to make the right decision. You're making a decision based on 70, 75% of the information. Mm -hmm. So you're having to use your frame of reference, your judgment, your maturity, your wisdom to make the right decision. And that mm -hmm. creates that sense of loneliness that, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, have I done something really bad? But But I think that, I do think that we have to take responsibility for our own behavior, our right. own thinking, our own and our own positioning in the world as well. Absolutely, I love it. And and you talked about, and and I just got my PhD, and really the the, the key too was followership, and mm -hmm. exemplary followers. Like you said, you have to build that team. Was there ever a time? where you, um, and sometimes you're going to see it. And like you said, you have to make the call, even though you may have clout with your followers or your team, was there ever a time where you had to make a decision and um, you didn't have that many people with you when it first started? You know what yes. I'm saying? And, and uh, granted, uh, eventually they'll come along, but there are times where you have to just make the call and you're it. Of can course. You, can I mean, you tell me about that? Yes, because Tracy, number one, I came to America at age 17. So you want to talk about loneliness, we can talk about loneliness. You know, feeling all alone. My first yes. Christmas in this country, my very first Christmas, I had no place to go. Wow. My school shut down. Uh, I found a church that, that took in what then, what then we called foreign students and turned the educational building into Sunday school classes, into, oh you know, gosh. bunk beds and so on. And so I, I understand loneliness from, mm -hmm. from the practical human side. Mm -hmm. um, when I first came to Hyper University in 2005, as you very accurately reported, it was a small school. It was, it was uh, one person, one journalist called a dusty old college. Uh, it was set in its own ways. At Kel Dweck says at Stanford, it had a fixed mindset. Uh -huh. It didn't have a vision for the future and so on. And, and I came here to make a difference, right? You, you, in life, the two most important words are influence and impact. Uh -huh. Who are you influencing and how lasting is your impact? And so I, I had lots of ideas, lots and lots of ideas about how we can turn things around. And for some, these were revolutionary ideas. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, some of them were mechanical things. You know, we put flags and benches and fountains and so on. And some people didn't like that. They didn't think that the frame of reference did not allow for that. It was a shift that was huge. 
Um, and then we went into an academic program. We started adding all kinds of academic programs. And we went into a promotional program that some people didn't feel perhaps was right or adequate. And at that point, for the first two or three years at High Point, I, 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 I sensed that. Now, I never let myself get into this loneliness from a, uh, shall we say, a psychological perspective. I, I, I pump back quickly. You know, I have lots of days when... I feel down, but I feel mm -hmm. down for a few moments. My faith does not allow me to dwell in that zone. I believe that your faith and your courage, put them together, you have faithful courage. And if you have faithful courage, you have the armament you need to do whatever it is you want to do in life. Mm -hmm. No such thing as unrealistic dreams, only unrealistic timelines. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yes, at that moment, I felt that loneliness. But you see, I also felt that that was my responsibility that I need to reach out. I need to communicate and connect with people. Mm -hmm. I ask okay. myself this question, how must, I, how must that person feel first? Mm -hmm. So this person will believe in the mission I'm recommending. And as more and more people believed, and as more and more people saw the positive results, guess what? I had a bigger team, I had more believers, I have more followers, but followers not because I said, I am the leader and you must follow me. Right. Followers that came out of their sense of beliefs. Your beliefs lead to your behaviors. Your behaviors lead to your results in life. Mm -hmm. So our belief system is everything. And a, and a really skilled leader and an authentic leader, first of all, understands that authenticity above charisma any day of the week. Right. But secondly, they understand they can't do it alone. Nobody right. can do it alone. We have, right. to have, we have to have people around us. Right. Jesus had the disciples you know, right. that he gathered. And so... So I think, uh, I think if, if we feel loneliness, we must also take some responsibility. How must I learn? What must I read? Mm. Uh, what guidance must I gather so that I can overcome that in a responsible, meaningful, meaningful and purposeful way? I love that. And we're going to go into the next point, which kind of goes into this. And I want to dovetail a follow-on question for loneliness. Um, the second price, my father says, is weariness. And um, weariness, it, he used to say, um, Tracy, there's miserable, miserable, and there's happy, miserable. Yes. And it's kind of what you said. Hey, life is tough, even for you. Dr. Cobain, who yes. it looks like, you know, you yep. just float on clouds and, you know, exude rainbows and happy stuff all over all the time. But he, dad said that, no, but you make a choice. So the second price is weariness. And his point there was, if you're doing anything worthwhile, you have to realize you're going to be surrounded by the authentic followers or the trusted team, but you're always going to have some people that aren't doing their part of it. Yeah. And you're just going to, you still have to shoulder that burden of responsibility. So talking about weariness, how do you handle this? And back to the first part where you talked about the team when do you look at followers that aren't all in and say you know what I can't pull you there's a weariness of doing the great works where we go to bed I can remember like being out um, during the first Gulf War and just going to bed knowing I did everything I could this day and I'm battle weary but I'm so happy but then there's the weariness of dealing with people that are a constant drag on the organization can you unpack that for leaders because that's what it isn't keeping me motivated it's keeping everybody else from dragging me sure. in the organization down can you can you unpack yes. how you dealt with that well first of all weariness is different than tiredness right yeah. if you're Okay. That's a physical state. Weariness is more of an emotional state. Okay. It's more about not liking what you're doing or almost giving mm -hmm. up or feeling like you don't have the skill to do it or feeling like nobody cares about your ideas. So you become weary of what is. Mm -hmm. Tiredness is when you just have a tough day, you go home, you work out, you, you put your feet up, you relax, 
all of a sudden you can overcome that you have a good night's sleep you're good mm-hmm. um yes uh, you've asked me several questions there let me see if i can if i can answer them i i believe that that in life there are natural states of mind and there are natural events and circumstances that just will happen in everyone's life they will have different frames around them but happen to all of us for example in life i will have people who don't like me you know this simple as that it doesn't matter who i am or what i do i have to accept that as a part of life in life there are people who will not give 110% of their effort i have to accept that not everybody is as motivated as as i am perhaps and that not everybody's going to believe in the cause like i might and so i have to accept that mm-hmm. the question is well, what do you do with that well at some point right. at some point you have to identify every leader must identify the levers in their organization just like a seesaw it has a lever in the middle that sort of does this the point of leverage the same thing in an organization so you can't say well i have a 2000 employees you have to say who are the levers in my organization who cause motion and movement oh and therefore God. positive results and let me focus on ensuring that the levers i have on my team can make things happen Mm-hmm. believe absolutely in the vision mission and values of our organization that's what i focus on i don't okay. try to get everybody to agree with me look i mean i've given like your dad you know i've given 7500 public speeches and seminars um only a, an idiotic immature professional speaker would assume that every time they're going to love you all right. of them and only an immature speaker would assume that a standing ovation means every person who stood up is in love with you that's not true there's always someone who says i don't like the speaker i don't like the way they look i don't like what they say mm-hmm. so you expect that but if it's a lever in your organization and they're not on board your question was what do you do and how do you you know react to that you number one the least you owe any person is to train them and educate them The mm-hmm. most unfair thing in leadership is to expect someone to do something you have not trained them, you have not coached them, you have not guided them, you have not mentored them. So I I'm a mentor more than I am a a a leader in that sense. I okay. I make sure when I explain something to some when I disagree with something or show you a better way, I will explain to you why that's a better way. I'm more interested in the why. If your why is straight, we'll figure out the how. I'm also more interested that that lesson that you learn, you can apply it next time, the next time, the next time, the next time. otherwise i'm constantly just trying to guess at everything that you're doing you'll never build an organization that way and so it's all about making sure those levers those your your team the inner circle team is with you and if they're not you train them and educate them you coach them you model for them you mentor them and if they still don't respond you have to make a change mm-hmm. and i am not bashful about a respectfully lovingly uh suggest to someone that they need to seek a new venture in life mm-hmm. because this is just not working out right. i think you owe that to people i think you help people nobody should be doing something they don't love to do uh none of us love everything we do all the time but you have right. to have you know a, a legitimate um a cycle of being in love with what you do mm-hmm. otherwise you're not going to do your best work mm-hmm. absolutely and i think for the for the ex- for your core team too it not only drains you as a leader but it drains them and so it's good to pay attention cuz i yes. know organizations will lose good people by not 
dealing with the bad. And somebody always asks me, how do you keep good people? And like you said, you train them, you give them the means and the resources for success, yeah. but then you also remove the obstacles and stumbling blocks because there, there's some real, you, you've been in bureaucratic organizations yes. like me, anything yeah. big, you're going to have your level. It's the parable of the sowers. Some of those seeds are going to fall on hard soil no matter what. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so th- Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so the third price he talked about is abandonment. And he always said that we need to abandon what we like to think about and what we want to think about in favor of what we ought to think about and what we need to think about. So you alluded to your mornings and how you start. How do you, with all the stuff coming into you, and I can't even imagine the calls you get and requests, how do you stay on point, on mission, and on target? That's an easy question. Mm -hmm. Uh, When your values in life are clear, Ah. Your your actions will always okay. follow in the right direction. Okay. So that, that's all about values clarification. Okay. If you're unsure of your values, you will be inconsistent in your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to drink a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to be drunk. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, well, let's go out you know, all night, and I have no desire for this. I'm very clear on that. It's very, very simple. Uh-huh. But, uh, telling the truth right, is a value. So if you have that value, you're not worried about going out there and lying to everybody about everything. Uh-huh. So I think that's, about, that's all about values. You know, if your purpose in life is clear, uh, purpose leads to, um, you know, uh, the, the kind of passion that can lead you to b- better things. And if you have passion, you'll have energy. Mm-hmm. If you have energy, then you can activate that energy. You'll have action. If you have action, you're likely to have results. Right? Right. Results rule. If, if you don't take action, you, you can't expect, how does it go? You can't expect your ship to come back if you haven't sent one out. Exactly. And, and, and then if you have, if, so the results then, the action leads to results. The results lead to success and success leads to significance and significant mm-hmm. leads to joy and happiness and happiness goes right back and feeds into purpose. Mm-hmm. So you want people to abandon thoughts or behavioral patterns or relationships, or positions in life that deflect from your basic values, that, that, that um, rob you of the privilege and the blessing and the pleasure of doing what you're good at, mm-hmm. that deny you the opportunity to give from your soul and your heart all that you can, right. and, and, that, and that disarms you from providing the love and the compassion and the empathy that you should be doing in life. So, mm-hmm. so that's one sense of abandonment. There are things you must abandon, like your dad said, things you must abandon. You know, that's, the, that's what transformation is. Transformation is different than change. Right? I can change all kinds of transactional stuff. But transformation is about truly, truly evolving, wow. right? like a butterfly, evolving. And so... So for me, it's about what are the things I must abandon to do that? And I, you know, when I came to academia, you know, I was in business for 35 years. Right. Um, I thought a certain way. I behaved a certain way. I had to learn new things. Yes. And I abandoned certain approaches, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I become a better person because of it. Mm-hmm. But abandonment also has another perspective. That is when we abandon others. In other words, if you give me your position about a matter, and I abandon your position by simply dismissing it, verbally, non-verbally, consciously, subconsciously. Then I'm abandoning you as mm-hmm. a sister, as a colleague, mm-hmm. as, a, as a, a fellow citizen, and so on. And that abandonment is also dangerous. So I right. think there's good abandonment right. and there's bad abandonment. 
Right. But ultimately, if you know what, if you know who you are, you know what you stand for, you know what you want to accomplish in life. Uh, those things come easily for you, right? You know which direction to go. It's like if I want to go to the beach, and I just get in my car way before GPS and just sort of drive aimlessly. I may not end up at the beach. I may end up, you know, in the mountains. Mm -hmm. But if I know the road to the beach and it's clear to me and it's at nighttime and I have headlights or during the day and I can see because of the sunshine, then I'll get there just fine in, in due time. And so life is no different than that. Life is very much like that. Hyper University, we're a premier life university institution. We teach life skills. Of course, we teach the academic um, material in the classroom, but outside the class, we even have a, a graduate master's degree called Masters in Communication and Business Leadership. The mm -hmm. three things you must have, I don't care what your major is, uh, because life is difficult mm -hmm. and, and life is demanding and, and, we, and the world is flat. And so leaders today have demands upon them and requests of them and expectations of them that are perhaps quite different than 20, 30 years ago. What's with technology and all that? So we have a responsibility. I say to our students, our staff, our faculty, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves up front and center with the kind of skills and the kind of knowledge and the kind of experience and the kind of wisdom that can lead us forth. Mm -hmm. So you, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the abandonment issue because we are going to have to keep everybody on point, but you don't want to alienate your team members, yes, you know, because right. then they become, when you throw them under the bus or feel, dismiss them and everybody knows I get my input, but I got to salute when the leader sends the direction. So I'm, I'm really glad you yes. brought that out because sometimes we get so hyper-focused. It's like, no, I said, we're going this way, but you obviously are an incredibly driven person. You are genetically coded that way. I from when you came back to everything you've accomplished. But we know that you have honed this skill. I mean, if you knew, it took me seven years to get through my undergrad. I almost didn't pass. And then I get my PhD with a four point. I mean, you can learn for those people yes. out there that feel incredibly, I hear a lot of people say, Tracy, I'm ADHD, I'm scatterbrained. I, I have so many things and they have trouble getting focused. What are the habits that you recommend, especially to younger emerging leaders that their brains operate differently because of the way they see so many different things and process information and the different critical thinking skills that are lacking. What do you think habit-wise really helped you stay on point and stay focused? There are many, 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 many of them. I'll give you a few. Okay. Um, first, we must all acknowledge that good habits are hard to develop, mm -hmm. but they're easy to live with. Bad mm -hmm. habits are, e are easy to develop but they're hard to live with. Wow. So when you develop habits that are healthy, they serve you well for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. If you just go with the crowd and develop these habits, you're a very transactional person, you will regret it in all kinds of ways. Balance in life means physical balance, financial balance, educational balance, reputational balance, relational balance. That's how it's like a jigsaw puzzle. All the pieces must come together to make the whole person. Happiness is not something you get by reading a book or listening to a speaker. Happiness comes from within. Mm -hmm. The question is, what are the external factors that can feed us so that this happiness will come from within? In my life, I've developed many, many habits. I'll give them to you without any priority order. Number one, Early to bed, early to rise. That's me. 9 okay. o'clock, 9.30, I'm in bed. 3 o'clock, 3.30, I'm up. I love my morning, and I do a lot of work in the morning. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work for everybody, but it's a habit that works for me. Mm -hmm. um, number two, 
I write or call four people every day. Wow. Somebody's sick, I'm going to write them. It's their birthday, I'm going to call them. I have it in my calendar. I follow it every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, or 366 days in a leap year. It always is like that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, a Thanksgiving, about a week before Thanksgiving. I think about the people I may have had some disagreement with, people that I may have had a, a quarrel with. And I take the first step. I'll call them up. Say, can we go to lunch? Can we talk? I'm sorry about what happened. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's not even my fault. But I don't want to carry on my shoulder this baggage. Mm. I want to get rid of it. Baggage weighs us down. Yes. Get in the habit of getting rid of baggage. Uh, Number four, uh, I make time for my family. Every day I make time for my family. Whether it's a phone call or an email. And sometimes it's, I'll, I'll, I'll... I'll email them maybe an article I read. Maybe it's something I saw on Facebook that I I forward to them. Um, But whatever it is, I make sure that I'm ever present. When I was, you know, full-time speaking, and you know know that world, of course, quite well, having grown up in a home like that and and you doing it now, I was gone, you know, all week. But I never, I have four children, I never missed a birthday, Tracy. Mm -hmm. I would would fly all night from Los Angeles to be there a Saturday morning, loud four-year-old kids birthday and then fly right back to give a speech you know there that night and so these are habits that you develop in your life um and and hype university you know i tell everybody develop this habit sundown rule answer every email return every call by sundown every day Mm. people will love you for it people want immediate response Mm -hmm. when you show that you're showing love and compassion and and caring towards them. These are all habits. If somebody, we have 2,000 employees at Hype University and, and almost 6,000 students, but if it's their birthday or their dad passes away or the mother, God forbid, is, is in the hospital or, or the student you know, has a mishap of some sort, I'm gonna call them. Maybe send them some balloons, some flowers, something. These are habits. You develop mm-hmm. these habits. If I read a book that I like, I say, who else might like this book? Mm-hmm. And I'll try to send them a copy of that book. So, so habits. Uh, I give you now a bunch of you know sort of daily daily life kind of habits. Then you have the habits that are more mental habits that are that are that drive you in mega ways. Habits like be positive, but being positive doesn't mean you can't be negative. Sometimes there are some things I'm very negative about. Right. Um, but be positive means be in a state of positivity. Mm-hmm. So allow yourself a pity party. Allow yourself a pity party. Sit there in the corner and just whine and complain and cry and say the world's coming to an end. But, but, but put a time slot for that. Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it a day? But whatever it is, then you promise yourself you will get out of it. And there are times in my life when I thought the world was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Business decisions, really tough time. Think about COVID-19, how it affected us, mm-hmm. Hype University and beyond. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to say, whoop, stop. Right. Get back right. to positivity. Do some action. Make something happen. Take a step forward. Don't just sit there and bemoan what is. Try to imagine what can become. Mm-hmm. And so you must have the habit of being. So most of us have the habit of to-do lists, right? We all have to-do lists. We write them down on post-it notes on paper. We put them in our notes in our iPhone, iPad, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. But you see, you, you can't make it in life just based on your to-do list. You must have a to-be list. Mm. You know, the, the doing is the byproduct of the being. Mm. You know, I do honest things because I'm an honest person. Honest person makes me do honest things, 
right? It's a big difference. My being state, I'm a loving person, right? I go around and, and, and give compliments and encourage people and so on. Therefore, I do those things. Mm-hmm. And so the doing must follow the being. And so you must have a to-be list. You know, I want to become more patient. I want to become more generous. I want to become a better steward, a better disciple. But here's the trick, Tracy. You can't have a to-be list unless you also have a stop doing list. Mm-hmm. Because to become, you gather new um, um, personhood, if you will, but you must get rid of some yes. things that hold you back. Right. I, I, I used to have a, a wealth a seminar where people come in for the weekend. We'll talk about wealth building in its largest definition, not just money, but, you know, uh, relationships and happiness and all that. And I would always ask him this question. You know, I would always make a statement. I would say, most people say, how can I become wealthy? That's the wrong question. You should be asking yourself, what are the things that I'm doing today that are keeping me from becoming wealthy? Mm-hmm. Because if I can get rid of those things that are keeping me from becoming wealthy, take the word out, from becoming happy, from becoming a good father, from becoming a good president of university, whatever it is, what are those things? Get rid of them. And now we're humans, you know, we're not intended to be perfect. Right. But we we better be extraordinary because God didn't sit in heaven there and say, I'll tell you what, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to create extraordinary people. But on Tuesday, Thursday, and (laughs) Saturday, I'm going to create some dingling. No. We were created in God's image, which means Mm -hmm. we are extraordinary. We're the ones who mess it up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and Dad would always say that too, just what you said. He said... um, at the end of the day, yes, I've done some things that go in the success column to make me a success, but I got to focus on all the stuff I allowed in my day that contribute to me being a failure. And until you got to sponge up, you know, going back to school, I had to cut off TV. I had to come off certain boards. I yes. had to stop. So because otherwise they're like, how do you do it? Well, it, everything's a trade-off in life. Absolutely. And you know, if you want to get focused on health, there's anything you want, but, but it's about putting that work in. And like you said, until you do it for yourself, until you self-motivate, you know, that intrinsic locus of control you talked about, nobody can convince you to do it. You have to so do Tracy, it three things in life. Mm-hmm. Who you spend time with is who you become. Period, paragraph, yep. on the page. Number two, what you choose is what you get. <laughs> Your present circumstances don't define where you're going to end up. They only define where you start. Right. All about choices. Right. Number three, how you change is how you succeed. Success comes in all kinds of layers, all kinds of colors, all kinds of sizes. Right. How you succeed is dependent on how you change, how you evolve, how you grow. Right? Because if all you have is information, people will use you and discard you. If what you have is knowledge, people will call upon you only when they need you. Think about a dentist, a doctor, et cetera. But if you have wisdom, people will respect you and people will follow you. So the Bible says that, right? In all of our seeking, we ought to seek wisdom because Wisdom. wisdom allows us to become the kind of leader that you have written about and your dad has written about and that you you that you speak about. Well, that brings us to the fourth price of leadership, which is vision. And a lot of times, I know when I was a younger leader, I'd be like, oh, this is for the Steve Jobs and the Oprah. I mean, I'm not a visionary. I'm just, I just like 
doing what needs to get done. But my father's point was, that's what vision is, seeing what needs to be done and then going and doing it. So share with me how you, um, how you grow in wisdom. I know this whole 40 minutes that we've talked about, but anything else as far as wisdom, because I think for leaders, that's so important. You don't just transact and gain knowledge. I love that because otherwise people just come to you. But transforming is growth and we have the God seed in us. So we, if we have the mind of Christ and this, we never stop learning and never stop transforming. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. And, and, um, and, you know, sometimes I'm called a visionary leader. I don't know what that really means. It sounds like <laughs> a really fancy word. I, I think vision could be much simpler than that. I, yes. I know people who have what appears to some to be a small vision, but it makes a big difference where, where oh. that seed is planted. Now, some people want to change the world. Some people just want to change their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Some people want to build the biggest church in the world. Some people just want to feed the soul of one other human being, mm. right? All of these are very important. And none of us can minimize or judge or quantify them based on our own frame of reference. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the Bible says, you know, where the people have no vision, they perish. So, mm -hmm. so vision is indeed um, a great place to start. I like to put it this way. Uh, you have to have four things in life if you're going to lead and if you're going to do something of, of, of measure and meaning in whatever business you're in. Okay. Number one, you have to have a clear vision. Having a vision is not enough. It must be a clear vision. Uh, people don't want to follow just a vision if you are not consistent as a right. leader. Right. One of the greatest compliments I think you can get as a leader is consistency. Mm -hmm. that, that someone knows what you basically believe. Now, right. you might change your mind from day to day based on new information and new discovery. Right. But, but I know that you're going to act in this way. I know your expectations are going to follow this, these principles. Mm -hmm. um, and that's called a clarity of, of vision. You must have a clear vision. Uh, the second piece is solid strategy. The reason a vision is important is because it can lead to a strategy. And so a solid strategy, you can answer three questions. You know, who am I today? Who do I want to become? How do I get there? Right. So in those questions, uh, those questions give birth to an even clearer vision. So mm -hmm. these two are very connected. Right. Yes. You start with this vision, you put together the strategy and then you go back and you realign and, and edit your vision. The third one is practical systems. And that's connected, too, because if you have a vision, it, let me put it this way. If I have a I love basketball, uh, but I can't have the vision that I'm going to be Michael Jordan. That would be a stupid vision. <laughs> so how would I know that's a stupid vision? I can go out there, play basketball, and, and be dingalingy at it. And in time, <laughs> I realize that vision ain't the right vision. And so we have to think in terms of practical systems. I, I, I see a lot of people, even people who work with me, will come to me with an idea. And I go, but is that practical? Right. Practical means, can we do it with relative ease? Can we do it with existing resources? Can we do it without unnecessary risks? Um, and then the last one is, Consistent execution. I could care less how great your vision is. Mm -hmm. If you don't actualize it, right. what good is it? Right. It's you know, a your vision is to write yeah. the greatest book on the face of this earth. Hello. Right. Have you written the first chapter? Do you have right. an outline? So I'm, I'm a pragmatic when it comes to those things. I love it. I'm a real pragmatic um, you know, business guy who believes in, in those fundamentals. And therefore, I don't sway too much. You know, Peter Drucker used to say, what business are we in and who's our customer? And if you don't know the answer to those two questions, 
go all the way back to the A in the alphabet because don't make any decisions without knowing those 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 answers to those questions. Right. Okay. I love it. So it, it, a lot of what you're saying is, it, wrapping this up as we come into a close, is there's this intrinsic confidence that we have to have. We have to bring it. We have to know what we're doing. We have to show up. We have to be engaged. Um, we have to follow, find leaders that bring out the best in us and find followers that bring out the best in us as leaders. Yes. But yes. we also then have to have a competency. We have to execute. We have to have the means. We have to have the resources, the systems, the right team. Um, and it's it's kind of the, the two sides of the same coin. I can have all the dreams in the world, but if they're not realistic, I mean, like you said, everybody, I'm 5'10", so everybody's like, oh, basketball Jones, too tall Jones. And I'm like, you obviously have never seen me try and dribble and walk yes. at the same time. But so you have to have a reasonable expectation of success and see value in what you're trying to do. Otherwise, like you said, you're just punching the clock. You're just acting yes. time. And, and, and Tracy, a vision can change. Right. Absolutely. See, see vision That's is different than values. Values, values are much more consistent. You know, they're principles, they're foundational, but a vision can change. Yes. You know, my vision when I came to Hype University changed dramatically right. from my vision when I was a consultant, speaker, author, yes. and so on. So that's perfectly okay. As new information comes into our life, we can adapt and realign as, as need be. You know? and, and you can have more than one vision. You can have a vision for this endeavor, and you have another vision for this endeavor. But I think the, the discussion about visioning is all about really purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what is it you really want to do with your life? You know, God breathed in your nostrils and gave you life. You, you breathe every day oxygen. You pay nothing for it. Mm -hmm. Gosh, don't you think you owe something for the space that you that you occupy on this earth, right. what are you going to do with those gifts? That's really what it is. And then you can take that and sort of put it in, in little boxes based on you know, what, what profession you're in and what you're leading and who you're leading and how big or how small. But um, I find myself today in my life, I, I know three things about me today that I sort of discovered you know, of late. Mm -hmm. um, number one, I am as passionate today about what I do as I was when I was 25. Awesome. I mean, I get up in the morning ready to go make it. Your dad till the day he went to heaven. Absolutely. Your dad was pumping it like crazy. I knew your dad, you know, in the last, last few weeks of his life, and he was at it, boy. Nobody was going to hold breath. him back. You're mm -hmm. not going to put a seatbelt on that guy and hold <laughs> him down. And, and that comes from your heart. You, you don't learn that in school. Right. You, you, you learn that, you know, out of your inner soul and you learn that from the models, mentors and heroes in your life. They affect, influence who you become. So I'm, I'm more passionate than I've ever been before. Number two, I'm smarter than I've ever been before. Uh, right. I, I don't mean that in sense that taking an IQ test. I just mean I grew in wisdom. Right. You know, I, I let experience not just be defined by years. I let experience feed my very being. And, and third, I, I realize more now than ever before, I don't have all the answers. I'm smarter than ever before, but I'm not smart enough. Right. I've got to learn every day, which is why I continue to read books. I, I like books. I like to read the pages of a book. I read books. I listen. I attend seminars. Um, I, I want to learn because I really, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. Mm -hmm. And how much there is out there that can that can benefit me in my life. So um, I guess what I'm really saying is, you know, school is never out for the pro, 
and we have to be in a continuum of learning. Mm-hmm. And that's why I appreciate you so much, Tracy, because what you do, what your business does, what your dad always did, you reach out in to all quadrants and all kinds of ways to feed people's minds and hearts and souls through the books that you publish and through the podcasts that you make, through the speeches that you give and all the services that you render. And that, my friend, is the highest level of stewardship and service. And for that, I honor you and thank you for being my friend. Oh my gosh, Nito, thank you so much. And can you tell our listeners, how can they uh, contact more, read about you, some of your wisdom, um, hear more about High Point University? It's very easy. Just go to our our, um, uh, our web um, page, and that is High Point, H-I-G-H-P-O-I-N-T, one word, H-I-G-H-P-O-I-N-T dot E-D-U, not dot com, dot E-D-U. Mm-hmm. And you'll see lots of stuff, and you'll see a lot of my interviews with people like Colin Power and, and Condoleezza Rice and some famous authors and so on. Um, and, um, and, and you learn about this special institution in High Point, North Carolina, which has grown abundantly and uh, grown with purpose, and today truly, truly changing the lives of young men and women in magical and wondrous ways. And so I thank you for asking that question, Tracy. You're, you're welcome, Nina. And I just want to thank you so much. You have given me so much additional food for thought. I love it. And I love when you wrapped up that, yes, we're growing as leaders, but the more we know, the more we realize we don't know. And that is, it's not a scary thing. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's and a so, challenging thing. It is. It is. And it's. And I just thank you so much for sharing that because I think as leaders, leadership is really just lifelong learning. And you epitomize that. And I thank you for always being there for me, always responding immediately being on this with everything you have going on and just just god bless you but just praying for you and everything you've got going on thank you dr tracy i enjoyed (laughs) talking with you god bless you too hopefully i'll see you soon amen take care nito bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening to tremendous leadership with dr tracy jones find out more about dr jones at www.tremendousleadership.com if you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode Let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.